many of our favorites to watch. Oh look, now they're being bashed. I guess that's what we should expect on the Bullied Nostalgia Podcast. Hello everyone. We're back with another episode of Bullied Nostalgia. We're full table here this afternoon. We've got Chatty John here. John's very chatty. John's received feedback in previous episodes that he doesn't talk enough, so get ready for Chatty John. Yeah, and he's not asleep this time, so. <laughs> yeah, John's here. We also <laughs> we also have Chance. That's me. And Kylan. Hi. I was gonna go clockwise, but someone's feeling really chatty. Woo! <laughs> it's snowing outside. There's snow, 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 snow. It's not snowing. There's snow on the ground. I, I didn't say I'd tell the truth. I said I'd be chatty. <laughs> we are going I'm to a compulsive liar now. <laughs> this, this episode's going to be a disaster. We watched this movie. Pretty sure we didn't. I said snow. Who's ready to talk about Sharknado? <laughs> okay. So this week's episode is brought to you by... Shadows? No. Cam- Quest for Camelot. Shadows over Camelot is a board game. That's right. Quest for Camelot. Quest for Camelot is a 1998 Warner Bros. film. Mm. And I want to clarify something. Usually, uh, Bully Nostalgia falls the idea that it's something Dad and John have watched before. But this is actually a movie I grew up with as well. Because my family had a tendency of buying old movies from thrift stores. And then watching them a lot. So I've I've seen this movie quite a few times. I believe I also watched this movie, but this was the last time I remember watching the movie. Yeah, so. I would have been very young when this movie cycled through our house. Yeah, this is a 1998 movie. And just to set the stage a little bit, by this point, the Disney renaissance had come and gone. Disney had come out with movies like Little Mermaid, Lion King, Aladdin, lots of big hitters, and every other studio on the block was trying to replicate their formula. And that's why this feels like a Disney movie. This is your bargain bin Disney movie. Everything is a carbon copy. But what no one knew at the time was that the Disney Renaissance was over and copying a Disney movie was not a financially sound decision as even Disney movies were not making good money at this point. So this was the very tail end of when a movie like this could be successful. So spoiler alert, it was not. I was just getting into high school when this movie came out. So you would think that I had aged out of the target demographic, but There's one song in it that I really loved, and so I definitely watched that part of the VHS too many times. Yes, and he sung it maybe too many times. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Even Um, the other night when we watched it, I had a hard time not singing along. (laughs) I would say, uh, even coming from my childhood, this might have to do something with my nostalgia towards it, but I would say... 95% 95% of this movie is good. I enjoy a good chunk of this movie. However, there is 5% that 
That is absolutely terrible. I don't think that the dragons... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> we don't want to name anything yet. I don't think the dragons and the chickens take up less than 5% We don't of want to name movie. anything yet, Kyle. Like, okay. screen time Whoa, 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 whoa stop. We're trying to Probably like that. 15 minutes. We're building okay. tension. <laughs> so, speaking of building tension, Chance, why don't you take us away and tell us what this movie is about what happened in this movie so that people who haven't seen it know what we're talking about so essentially there's this evil knight i guess you could say and he kills one of arthur's round table members that man her daughter then grows up and wants to become a knight afterwards the evil knight comes back attacks arthur and steals excalibur excalibur then gets lost and it's up to this woman and the people she meets along the way to return Excalibur back to King Arthur so he can defeat the evil knight. And you're really good at summarizing things. Thank you. <laughs> you just wanted to talk? <laughs> Chatty, Chatty dogs. Dogs. Okay, just, It doesn't have to be a big deal. I'll just throw in things that I say every once in a while. <laughs> John, what do you want to talk about? Chatty everything. <laughs> everything. Everything. My favorite cereal <laughs> bread is actually... <laughs> okay. So Kaylee is the main character in this movie. Her love interest is Gareth. And Gareth is my fave flave He is a blind hermit out in the forest. And he sings a song. I don't even know what it's called. I Stand Alone. I Stand Alone, yeah. And that's my jam. I rocked out to that way too much in my youth. Um, you rock Gareth to that song. is a really cool character because the idea is he wanted to become a knight and then he got blinded and a different knight taught him how to live with his disability. And then that knight died. That was the man who was murdered by... Rubar. That's Rubar. Rubar, the evil knight, kills him. And so then Gareth, <laughs> losing his mentor, recedes into the magical forest. However... Because he is just a child and going to die, Merlin sends a magical falcon with silver wings to lead him through it. Aiden. And that's Aiden. about all Merlin does. <laughs> Merlin does, yes, surprisingly little in the movie so, for a super powerful wizard. Merlin is like, what can we do to get Excalibur back? We'll just have to wait. Sound <laughs> the horns. They never... Oh, those horns. Okay. So, let's be clear. <laughs> Ruber steals the Excalibur, and they're like, the sword's been taken, sound the horns. And they go like, burr, burr, burr. and then I'm like, is that horn specifically for Excalibur being stolen? <laughs> and a like, random farmer looks up from the field, Excalibur's been stolen! <laughs> like, it is? How many different <laughs> horns do they have? Three short blasts followed by a long, extended... <laughs> The king is hungry? <laughs> Bring no, him no, 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 that was four black. <laughs> no, that means Excalibur <laughs> needs a bath. <laughs> Can you imagine that the barber like, the sword needs to be cleaned? <laughs> because we get to see him pretty early on, I want to mention one of my favorite characters, which is Ruber's pet, a griffin. And the reason I love him is because he's this huge, top, hulking beast, but he always goes, Precisely. That's how he talks in that movie. It's very funny. That was actually, when I was a kid, that was my favorite character, was the griffin. Precisely. Yeah. 
Uh, Ruber is trying to make an army for him to conquer Camelot. So he grabs a magic potion, and the entire concept is the potion fuses two things together. So, so he... he makes an army of mace-wielding soldiers who are all made of metal because he throws them in with weapons. However, to demonstrate the capabilities of this magic, he takes a hatchet and a chicken and throws them in the magic pot to create, what is his name, Blade Beak? Which is a chicken with an axe for a face. That chicken can also talk. Yeah, he gains the ability to speak English. We don't necessarily know he couldn't speak English before. It might be a Meowth situation. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Well, and I think there's some family dynamics that really intrigued me in the chicken (laughs) storyline. What happened to that really big chicken? The one that I was think that was wife? the wife chicken. Yeah, what happened to the wife chicken? <laughs> I didn't... Camelot's a very interesting culture because I don't know of many other places where animals get married. <laughs> <laughs> there is a two-headed dragon in this movie that's terrible. He's awful. And I thought... It's a he. It's one being. Because that way we can at least... I thought they were my most hated part of this movie. Upon rewatch, the chicken portion is unbearable. <laughs> I loathe the chicken. The two-headed dragon just washed over me, and I was like, ugh, terrible. But the chicken, every time the movie would intentionally leave the main storyline to make us watch some chicken waddle around in a forest or rescue another chicken who is his wife or the wife chicken would catch him cheating with a different chicken. I just wanted to punch myself in the face. It felt a lot like watching a random movie and then suddenly a minion from Despicable Me comes on camera. Yeah, but not in Despicable Me. That's a good point. If you just randomly inserted a minion into any other movie... (laughs) Can you imagine watching Terminator and a minion (laughs) Yeah. You're watching How to Train Your Dragon, there's a little minion. You're watching Star Wars, there's a little minion. Actually, that's pretty close to the way Star Wars is nowadays. Yeah. But... Honestly, that's what it felt like, is that someone inserted a different movie into this movie, and that was easily the worst part of it for me. I was. It's hard to tell if the chicken's a good guy or a bad guy, or if it has a redemptive okay. arc, here's, here's if the it's arc. worth this much time thinking and talking <laughs> about, the chicken is the worst. Here's the arc. Throughout the entire movie, he was learning English. And so he can do Clint Eastwood impressions. Yeah, that's it. I really struggled with the references to pop culture. I guess it's kind of like Aladdin in that the genie would reference things that wouldn't have happened in history yet. But or... that's just how Robin Williams acts. Well, it's tricky, and Aladdin has so much nostalgia built into my brain that I don't know if I can look at it analytically. Yeah. But... The problem with making pop culture references like that are that they're bound to become dated. Yeah. And I don't know if Aladdin is dated. I assume that it is, and I just can't see it. But watching this movie, which I haven't seen as many times, when a chicken can randomly speak English 
and references a Clint Eastwood movie when speaking to a bunch of forest eyeballs. It <laughs> doesn't play the same way. You just need to recognize how ridiculous this is. Just for one moment. I think, though, Aladdin has something going for it that a lot of the references Robin Williams makes, even, like, in the time that he made them, some of them were, like, really obscure. Or very, very old. Yeah, and I think that kind of plays that idea. He's just referencing so many things so quickly that it gets to a point where it doesn't even matter what he's referencing anymore. That just kind of adds the obscenity and ridiculousness of his character. Whereas this, they're absolutely trying to reference something slowly, and it's not paying off. We talk about the dragons. I actually think the best song in the movie is the dragon song. You like the dragon song. Oh. <laughs> I do. It's really clever. I think the fact that the first two verses are different songs and they overlay them, that's a fun idea, yeah. but the rest of the song is terrible. In general, and this might be because the most recent songs we heard were Land Before Time 3, mm-hmm. but these songs are good. They're not maybe Disney quality, but there's a lot of good songs in this movie. We start with the song that the Knights of Camelot sing, where they all raise and lower shields. Friendship, (laughs) truth, (laughs) love, pancakes. (laughs) And then we get Kaylee's song on her father's wings, or whatever it's called. Speaking about that night song, isn't that the one where we get to watch a whole bunch of random people dance? No, that's the end, (laughs) I believe. No, we no, the, the eyeless people are at the beginning. Are they? Yeah. yeah. The background Camelot folk are all... Ugly. Zombies? <laughs> Evil <I> think... magic? <laughs> I know a lot Maybe of... Maybe Ruber's freeing <laughs> the country of this dark magic? There's... <laughs> Merlin did this to everyone. <laughs> Arthur doesn't even know. That's why he can't do any magic. He's too busy enslaving all the (laughs) monsters of the realm. There's there's one part during a dance scene where a frog man comes at the screen. I swear, it's really weird looking. They also make like interlocking circles and then spin. Yeah, I don't. Which is impossible. (laughs) Yeah, they just kind of like walk through each other. Unless they all have like octopus limbs or something. They actually have two arms one disconnects and the other one reconnects yeah there's just a lot of good songs well there's the celine dion song which is right that's the all i pray i'll be your eyes or whatever it is right when she's riding away on a horse yeah yeah like i said lots of kicking songs in there it's it's good soundtrack there's the... Um... <laughs> no, I just remembered that scene with the dumb horses. Like, it's like a really sad and solemn song. And then you see these, like, ugly metal monster oh, people. <laughs> no, he's right. <laughs> right when she's dog. running away. Yeah, from... that's when the Celine Dion song yeah, yeah. Okay, so <laughs> all the villains ride on pigs, which... In a lot of scenarios, boars can be a really fun mount. I think they're cool. A lot of them have some menace to them. However, all the monsters in this movie are absolutely gigantic. And these pigs are not. And the pigs also have this tendency of bouncing. So it's like these hulking beasts that just kind of like rapidly bounce on these tiny pigs to this Celine Dion song. There was this 
one guy, and his arms were flailing. Yeah, one of them. Okay, one of them does not have arms. Instead, he has giant maces attached to chains that connected his shoulders. But he always like windmills everywhere he goes. So he, he's bouncing on this tiny pig while his arms are just windmilling like crazy. <laughs> we literally rewinded the movie so we can watch that 10 seconds again because it's so funny. It's such a weird mashup to have this massive behemoth monster knight riding on a tiny piggy. Celine Dion. Celine Dion. <laughs> Very strange. <laughs> okay, I feel like there's a lot we can talk about, but I'm going to quickly interject the one thing that I do, and that's give us a little bit of pop culture insight, and then you guys can take it back. This movie is very loosely based on a book called The King's Damocell. Now, The King's Damocell is a book from 1976. The King's Damocell is about a girl named Lynette who uh, is attacked. Her and her sister are attacked in their home by the Red Knight. And she disguises herself as a servant boy to escape, flees to Camelot, where she asks Merlin and Arthur for help. The only person who goes to help them is a young knight named Gareth. Gareth goes and frees Lynette's sister, and they both get betrothed to be married to Gareth and his brother. Unfortunately... Lynette ends up with the brother, even though she loves Garrett. So they have a adult conversation and they don't get married. But she then runs away, meets a blind hermit named Lucius. And she fears that Lucius only loves her because he cannot see her. And he think, she thinks he would say she's ugly. They go on some adventures together, but then a witch tells Lynette that Lucian is dying. And so she goes and gets the Holy Grail. He gets one wish. And rather than opting for life, he wishes for sight to see her one time before he dies. And so he sees her, tells her that she's beautiful, and he dies. Very loosely based on the King's Demoiselle. But when you take a step back, all the pieces are there. The Red Knight is is Rhubarb. Rhubarb. And that's why he's wearing red the whole time. Merlin doesn't do anything. Merlin is in it, but doesn't do anything. Correct. There's a young knight named Gareth who's also mixed with Lucius. Exactly. Lucius and Gareth become Garrett in this movie. Yeah. They're a, they're a mashup. And Lynette's sister needing to be rescued her is mom. her mom. And The whole plot of Lucius wanting to see Lynette Instead, is based on the song where Lu- Gareth gets hurt, 
is healed and then talks about even though he can't see her, he still believes she's beautiful. Yeah. So they added a lot. They added Excalibur to give it a sense of urgency so that there was a, a ticking clock that they had to respond to. The director really wanted to tell a darker story that more closely resembled the book, but... That doesn't sell to kids. That doesn't sell to kids. Warner Bros. would not allow it. The last time somebody had done something darker like that was when Disney did... Black Cauldron. Black Cauldron. Nobody wow, likes look Black at Cauldron. you guys. Yeah, and that was a disaster. So, heaven forbid they repeat Disney's mistakes. So, they were going to carbon copy a Disney movie, which meant injecting a ton of cute animal sidekicks like Aiden the Falcon, the Griffin, a chicken, a chicken, <laughs> all and, birds for some reason. And when you look at it through that lens in retrospect, like I'm thinking of Pocahontas. Pocahontas hard cuts to stories about a pug, a raccoon, and a hummingbird. Certainly, you can see where they took this piece of literature and just put Disney ink all over it and hoped for the best. They did not get the best. The, the budget was estimated at $40 million dollars. Most of the time you assume that a budget is twice that size when you're talking about advertising. So that means that the movie cost them about $80 million. In theaters, this movie made $22 million. Terrible disaster for them. Although Dad usually talks about the history. I have this strange fascination with The Knights of the Round Table and Arthur. It's just something that's appealed to me. So I've read La Morte de Asa. Yes, uh, that thing. Sword in the Stone, The Life of King Arthur, yada yada, all, all these books. And I can say with certain doubt, this movie is essentially using the name Arthur and Camelot just so they can add some historical accuracy because none of it is accurate. This is even something I noted while we were watching the movie. Excalibur and the Sword in the Stone are actually two different swords. Excalibur is a gift from the Lady in the Lake, and the Sword in the Stone is a sword pulled from the stone who would determine who the king Yeah, and I, is. I actually found that fascinating because I know that to be true as well, but I had never registered that thought. You're like, but these are two different swords. And I was like, yeah, they are two different swords. Yeah, the Sword in the Stone doesn't actually have a famous name, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And certainly the book from which this story is based, is more built into the lore of King Arthur. Mm -hmm. But once you get to this adaptation, the only things that are left are Merlin, Camelot, Excalibur, and Arthur. Mm -hmm. And even then, the parts of them that are in it are very reduced. King Arthur just kind of sits around and has a sword. Mm -hmm. But he always places the sword inconveniently behind his chair. <laughs> yeah, why would he do that? <laughs> has to reach for it when Rhubar runs to him. And then when the dad ends up dying. Then he has to reach for it when the griffin bites the chair and steals it. It's like, just put it in a place where you can reach it. <laughs> I <clears throat> love Pierce Brosnan. It's one of my 
fave of Flav's, but he was the only voice actor that it was just so obvious that I couldn't get over it. Every time I heard King Arthur's voice, hey, Pierce Brosnan, what are you doing? I do want to say a really cool plot point in this movie. When Rhubarb finally gets Excalibur, instead of doing like the usual thing and just being like, haha, I now have Excalibur. He takes his little magic potion and fuses Excalibur with his hand. However, I do have to say the way that they get Excalibur off of his hand doesn't make sense. The climax of the movie is that obviously Ruber attacks Camelot, everyone's in danger, and Gareth has to go save her. And as Kai mentioned, Ruber fuses Excalibur to his hand, so it seems like all is lost. He's got an impossible-to-kill army made of metal. He's got the sword that determines he's the king. And so Gareth and the dragons show up, and they give the dragons character development. Because they can both agree that they're very mad. They now have the ability to fly and shoot fire. And they storm the castle. Gareth saves Kayla, and they get into a final fight with Rhubarb. It seems like they're about to lose, so they back up to the sword and the stone, Rhubarb accidentally stabs it. Yeah. And then a magical beam that anti-magics goes across the land. The idea is, since Rhubarb is not the king, he is unable to pull the sword from the stone. And since the stone itself is magic, sensing that Rhubarb is not the king and is somehow conjoined to the sword, it dispels him. Kind of like a white blood cell. But do you want to know everything else that stabbing that stone does? It turns every single one of those metal monster people back into regular people. Why? I don't know. And you know how the dragon is like a conjoined twin of two dragons? It separates the dragons. <laughs> but if they hug each other hard enough, they join back together. The power of hugs, man. <laughs> I find it very interesting because Arthur automatically strolls up, takes the sword. It's obvious that the movie is trying to point out that Arthur is the king. There's no doubt about that. He just takes the sword whenever he wants. Because it's Pierce Brosnan. Because it's Pierce Brosnan. But <laughs> for being a character, they're trying to say, like, yeah, obviously he's the king. He's the greatest king ever. But he doesn't do anything for being the greatest king ever. He has And on uh, many occasions, arm. he tries to do stuff. And then Merlin goes, no, sit down. <laughs> You're we always do broken. nothing. <laughs> Wait for the sword to come back. Merlin Trust is, your people. Merlin is actually a villain. <laughs> yeah. The main villain. If you go outside, you'll see all your people are ghosts. Don't do that. <laughs> you don't want to see those frog people. <laughs> They're freaks down there. <laughs> you'll see I've enslaved your people. Don't do that. And maybe we've been spoiled with, like, character development for villains. <laughs> <laughs> but rhubarb, rhubarb, rhubarb has no motives except for I'm evil <laughs> and my eye twitches all the time. And my weird bald splots. His one defining <laughs> feature is his fingernails are just <laughs> ravaged. Oh, terrible. I do want to mention the fact that if you pay close attention to him, the only spot where he has hair is on his neck. Yeah, it's the back of his neck. And it's like in this weird mullet. So he's bald except his back neck hair. <laughs> <laughs> really gross. Doesn't he have a villain song? 
Oh, yes, he does. Okay, I take back that statement before. They're not all hits. No, this isn't song that one like, is terrible. Isn't that one like slam poetry? <laughs> Accurate. Slam poetry. Yeah, he's a very bad villain, which makes me sad because he's voiced by Gary Oldman, who I wouldn't know. Gary Oldman's disguising his voice well enough. And I would consider Gary Oldman to be one of the great actors of our time. So sad that he's not given much to work with. He's definitely having fun in that song, though. (laughs) Yeah. He sings about how he makes the chicken into an axe. I want to clarify. He goes, and then I'll take this chicken and I'll take this axe. Prepare Blade Week mid-song. He sings about it. I really like that his guards are like so enchanted with his song that they don't even realize. Notice that Kayla Lee, <laughs> yeah. they're like so getting into it. She just walks away. Yeah. I thought that they were excited to be turned into axe chickens. It's maybe the most realistic depiction of someone escaping one of those scenes that you see in any movie. The soldiers were not prepared for... A light show and a song and they're like whoa boss is rocking out how much time did he spend on this song whoa gary's got knives for hands now what's going on and then the kaylee just walks away well, no, actually her mom tells her you should get out of here now while they're distracted Normally, there'd be some BS thing where she has to jump over a root and they trip on it, or she crawls under a low-hanging branch and they run into it. John, what do you want to talk about? The ogre. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. the ogre the stolen fart! from the stories. <laughs> he farted them so hard. I honestly had forgotten about it when I watched the movie. I was like. I've seen this movie a lot, and I do not remember this ogre. And then there was a lot of fart jokes. And I was like, oh, I think I intentionally (laughs) blocked it. And then already I had forgotten about it again. Okay, so in this movie, there's an ogre stolen directly from the never-ending story. He's made of rocks, and he looks exactly the same. And he has Excalibur. Kayla and Gareth successfully steal Excalibur from it, but Rhubarb shows up, and in an act of quick wits, Kayla tricks him into being sat on by the giant rock. And then then it farts. And they get launched at like 400 kilometers per hour directly into a rock face. Rhubarb's invincible, though. Oh yeah, he's unkillable. Yeah, he's unkillable. Kind of like, I think for a big bad guy... Usually the big bad guy sends henchmen to chase after, but he's running along chasing them every step of the way and gets turned into a pancake by the Forbidden Forest branches. So slapstick that it really takes away the threat or the fear of the main villain. Where initially his grunts are the one chasing and they get beat up, but then he goes, oh, if you can't do it, I'll do it myself. If they had instead done it, that the grunts chased Kayla the entire movie and then the moment he decided he needed to do it, that's when she got caught. I think yeah. it would have added to the tension, saying, like, he's so powerful that it doesn't even matter. The moment yeah. he tries, it's over. 
And then it wouldn't really matter that the grunts are invincible because they're like they're made of metal, metal yeah. things. I feel like we've done very little talking about the dragon. There are two dragons in this movie, and I think they are one dragon. In honesty, if they had chosen to choose one of the characters and put them in this movie, this movie would be better. I don't think having them as a duo works. If they had chosen the dragon who is a philosopher, I think he would have played a role akin to C-3PO, and I think the movie would have been better, in all honesty. But the fact that they chose C-3PO and Danny DeVito does not work. (laughs) I don't know why Ruber needs Excalibur (laughs) to be powerful. He eats those dragons. Oh, yeah. He does. He doesn't <laughs> lose a fight, or and when he does, he can't be killed. Mm-hmm. So he's like this invulnerable monster. He does lose. Is he like hits Excalibur and he gets launched like fifteen feet? Back. Yeah, but if nobody has Excalibur, then he just wins. And also, Arthur is a little raisin man. Someone be in the bathtub way too long. <laughs> He's bathing with Excalibur. (laughs) (laughs) Behind the bathtub so that he can't reach it if he needs it. (laughs) Does he, like, tape the sword to his back? I think it's, like, hanging precariously on his towel rack. Mm. That way he has to do that I really like Aiden, though. Aiden's really cool. The bird? Yeah. Yeah. That is the right amount of animal sidekick. I think mm-hmm. that that is something that kids could get excited about. Whoa, it's a silver-winged falcon. It does all this cool stuff, but it doesn't beat you over the head with weird pop culture references and doesn't try and speak English. Mm-hmm. He is present the entire movie. Aiden is always there because Aiden acts as Gareth's eyes in the movie. Whenever he can't do something... Aiden, like, squawks a command to him, and then Gareth can make a jump. Also, they make it apparent that Aiden is an actual necessity to the group. The way Ruber loses Excalibur in the first place, because the griffin is flying with Excalibur. And then and Aiden, then Aiden comes out of nowhere from the forest and kicks the crap out of the griffin yeah, by that, himself. that griffin got destroyed by a little falcon. I, don't, I really liked Peregrine Falcons growing up, and that might be... Why? tainting this perception. I think I liked them when I was younger than this movie came out. I remember liking this movie more than you do. (laughs) John, it seems like a a consensus with every movie (laughs) we do. That's literally the title of this podcast. (laughs) John doesn't like the movies we're rewatching as well. That's your whole statement? Yeah, that's it. Oh, okay. (laughs) We can say that about every single movie except for (laughs) Batman in which you were asleep. (laughs) I would say when it comes to this movie, this is a movie that I still believe is good after rewatching it, but I will not watch it for several years after this. I agree. I knew that there were a lot of flaws to this movie, but don't think I realized how many of them were chicken based. (laughs) I like it less than I thought I was going to. I think a lot of it still holds up. 95 is probably an exaggeration. I don't think it's 95%, but I think there's really cool characters. There is some really good songs. I really do like the setting of the movie. I think the animation's very good. But there's a handful of things that let it down pretty hard. 
so I wouldn't go out of my way to avoid this movie. Mm -hmm. If somebody was watching it, sit down and watch it with them. But I'm not going to seek it out. I'm not going to seek it out. I did not buy this movie. Mm -hmm. I rented it. Yeah. And so it will take an intentional effort to watch it again. I don't know when that will ever be. Mm -hmm. This movie falls right under the precipice of what I would call my cult classic weird animation movies. Those being El Dorado, Atlantis. And Dougal. Not, <laughs> not Dougal. I refuse. But these are movies that I genuinely like. Can we stop talking about Dougal? It's, it's been like four podcasts in a row now. Maybe we do watch Dougal next. It doesn't fit our MO, but I feel like there's some pent-up Dougal animosity that needs to be let loose. I think you guys will realize when we watch Dougal, we will not enjoy it at all. I know. <laughs> I am the only one that truly knows. I am the only one that watched Dougal multiple times as an adult. There is no nostalgia, no blurred perspective on this. I don't believe John's seen it at all. No. Kai has maybe seen it because it's in the house. I've seen it like one, I've seen it like ten times growing up. And I was probably there for most of them. Oh man, that movie is terrible. It's very bad. But people might need context if they want to keep talking about it, is all I'm saying. Anyways, as I was saying, I think this movie just falls short of those other... <laughs> Great. <laughs> Can we stop Google. talking about Dougal? I didn't bring it up. You did. <laughs> Ted, you're laughing right now. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Ted. Go ahead. I think this movie falls just short. <laughs> John! Stop. Stop saying that line. Move on. <laughs> You've never even seen the movie. <laughs> Why is this so funny to you? For context, one of the podcast episodes, Chance brought up Dougal as a terrible movie. And then we finished recording the podcast. And John falls down a rabbit hole of Googling Dougal. Dougaling, if you will. He's like, everyone hates this movie. Like, yes, it's it very so bad. Because we're like sitting in the living room. And then all of a sudden from the bathroom, we just hear this uproarious laughter as John discovers what Dougal is. Oh, yeah. He wasn't even in the same room as us. He was Googling it from the toilet. <laughs> The only place to do go. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try and say it. <laughs> Please do not laugh. Just change John. the line because you're going to say it's sure. short of one of the great classics and then we all picture you saying Google. Okay. I think when in comparison to Atlantis, this movie is just a little bit less than that. And unfortunately, that means I will not seek it out. I go and watch Atlantis and do at least all. stop it <laughs> at least once a year because I adore that movie and think it is very good. But Quest for Camelot is just slightly under that, so I don't think I will seek it out like I do that movie. Kylan, do you like this movie? I'd say it was good. Okay. So you can see the appeal in it? Well, except for the stuff that was supposed to be like Disney. 
All of it. <laughs> yeah, the so, movie? so, yeah, yeah. Oh, change my mind. I do not like this movie. No. I'm talking about the chicken, the dragons, and all of that. Okay. John? And the cartoon bad guy who gets farted yeah, by I a giant. I'm, I do not rewatch movies often. I have time frames in which I would watch a movie again, and I just, I don't think I'll ever watch this movie again. Wow, and never again. And never again. Yeah, no, I won't watch it again. There's a man by the name of Arlo who convinced me to the idea that anything more than a rating one through five is unnecessary. I'll explain what that to you. What are you talking about? Isn't Arlo a puppet? He is a puppet. You just referred to him as a man. <laughs> Jess, what He's is a happening? Man behind a puppet. What is happening, Jess? We've just opened a can of worms. <laughs> you just started explaining to me why you need to give a one through five rating because of a puppet. <laughs> Chance in we the will. secret life of puppets. <laughs> you need to be careful. We will have Jess. this conversation <laughs> later on. <laughs> You've forgotten who your audience is. Right. All I know is pop culture. So <laughs> that'd be like the chance. You know, what does this have to do with to anything? The famous celebrity of Bert from <laughs> Sesame Street. Okay, okay, we're blowing past this. No, please tell us. I'm so curious. Okay. I guess I'm explaining this ideology now. Even a rating 1 through 10 is a little bit much. A lot of people like to go, oh, it's a 7.5 or an 8.3. That's unnecessary to qualify how good something is. 1 through 5 is good because you have it is bad, it is not good, it is good but you will gain nothing from it, it is a movie you should watch, and it is the greatest movie of all time. So I give it a solid 3. It is a good movie that you will gain nothing from and lose nothing from, in Mm. my opinion. So, and yes, I learned this from my puppet. <laughs> <laughs> I learned a lot from Sesame Street. <laughs> so, Chance, you're saying you'll probably watch it in about five years. Probably. That's my answer. John, you're, you're done with this movie forever. Yeah. Kylan? I'm going to forget about it in two weeks. And then watch it again. Never. <laughs> because I don't remember it in two weeks. I like everything else we've watched, with the exception of Land Before Time. Will watch this when it lands in my lap. Mm-hmm. There isn't a world where I will turn this on for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much what okay. my answer is as well. It's just going back from the average, I would say I have watched this in the past once every five years. That's my estimate. Okay. Probably watched it when I was about 11, and I probably watched it when I was about six, is what I could say. What about Batman? Even if I qualify Batman differently, the last time that I saw Batman before we watched it a few months ago. You probably watched it with us, actually. Would have. Oh, did we watch all the Batmans? No, we. I don't think we did. No. Maybe we watched it together. So maybe it's been five years, but I feel like it's been longer. Mm. So when I was young, I watched Batman forever a hundred times. Mm. But the number of times I've watched it as an adult is maybe three. You said you made an exception for Land Before Time. That's one that... I watch 
every day. Okay. Continuously. Just to double check. I have it playing in my third phone right now in my pocket. It always must be close to me. It's on loop in the TV in his bedroom. Because that way he can lie down and listen to the sounds of Ducky serenading him to sleep. It's actually yep, yep, yep. one of the songs, the one about conserving water. <laughs> What a great movie that was. <laughs> what a great and terrible, terrible movie that was. <laughs> I don't know. There's something swelling up inside of me like I'm excited to watch the rest of the land four times with you. There Sean, isn't in me. <laughs> there is unfortunately not a world where I can endorse that. I did try and help you in your absence. <laughs> We tried watching multiple Fast and the Furious movies at the and same time. And it was time. very bad. It was My so frustratingly bad. mentality was if we could enjoy that, that Maybe. we could do that for Lamb Before Time. <laughs> Need it, more TVs. Even, <laughs> the unfortunate thing, John, is this is a movie series I would say the three of us liked. And now I don't even know if I can say that about <laughs> Fast and the Furious. Okay. Which is upsetting because I like some of those movies. Okay, I feel like most of the new ones I don't like anymore. I said in that episode of the podcast that I felt just as tired with life <laughs> after watching Fast and the Furious as I did Land Before Time 3. So I cannot imagine <laughs> how I would feel. If I watch multiple <laughs> Lambo Four times at the same time, Ducky is just my soul would talking. leave my body. Did you guys realize that there could be a song sung by a dinosaur nobody likes in every movie at the same time? <laughs> Ducky could say "Yep, yep, yep" for all eternity. Okay, so closing thoughts time. Chances or anything you want to say before we go? I would say. If you are a person who likes watching old animated movies, this is probably a movie for you. You'll add it to your collection and then never watch it again. I wouldn't say you'll lose anything like other movies, I think but I won't say money. it'll change your life. <laughs> <laughs> lose minutes from your life. <laughs> Jonathan? Uh, yeah, that's it. I got nothing else. What he said? What? Except to talk! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John, I hate to break it to you. You probably still spoke well, the least. Well, I can't. Everyone else is so chatty. <laughs> <laughs> that means you have to be chatty, chatty, John. Okay, I'll talk over you guys next time. <laughs> yeah, so I would say that this doesn't reach the level of the greats. It's okay. It's fine. I don't like the dragon. I don't like the chicken. But that you just kind of have to push through it if you want to watch this. Yeah. I think I've said everything I wanted to say. The songs are surprisingly good. There's a lot of really likable characters. In and a this, lot of not likable characters. And a lot of not likable characters. It seems like for everything that this movie does really well, something holds it back. There's really good songs, and then there's Rhubarb's song. There's really good characters like Gareth and Aiden. And then there's characters... Like Arthur and Merlin, who don't do anything, unfortunately. I was going to say Blade <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of hard to say who was better. Merlin or Blade Beak. I don't know. I've been having a hard time deciding. <laughs> I could watch a movie where Merlin just throws Blade Beak at people. <laughs> Go, my pet! Movie. A buddy cop movie with Merlin and Blade Beak. I could watch a movie where Merlin kills Blade Beak. <laughs>
I did also watch that. Into the phone as you go. <laughs> All right. Should we have like a closing line that we say every time? Like, ugh, I guess my nostalgia. And then we all say at the same time, was just bullied. I well, feel that's like that's what... watch out for weirdos. <laughs> that has been what that yeah. was. Okay, okay, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> we have been doing that. <laughs> I forgot. It would be really funny if we just ended it here without saying it. <laughs> it would that be really it. funny if, and then it just cut. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, okay, that's, I guess that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's for future dad to decide. <laughs>